Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 377, May 5th, 2020. The uh, high on this day occurred in 2000 when it was 89, and in 1989 it was 27 degrees. White Bear Lake has recorded its last ice out, none today. Minnetonka had an ice out on this day two years ago in 2018. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes your Aquaside Keeping Your Beachfront Clea of Weeds Lake Ice Out Reports. They range from March 11, 1878, the earliest opening on Minnetonka, to April, I'm sorry, till May 5th in 2018. Isn't that something? So, relatively speaking, as early as it opened in 1878, it closed as late two years ago. And now, Thank from you. the mayor's office <laughs> above the boathouse, thought that was interesting. Really interesting. It's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby coffee shop here is your flashlight king fireworks commissioner and keeper of common sense your mayor joe sushere uh dan in phoenix writes congratulations on a great opener last friday here in phoenix we celebrate the door closer when we hit 100 degrees Fahrenheit plus, we need to close it up and flip on the evaporation coolers. Well, it just happened, and he sent me a picture of his garage <laughs> thermometer. Wow. wow. Yeah. So all kinds of openers all over the place. What is the uh, rationale for allowing <coughs> daytime trips to Voyagers National Park and the BWCA, but you can't stay overnight? I was having a hard time understanding that one myself. It doesn't affect me personally. I'm not much of a camper. You're not in it for the camping. I'm not really. But I, I'm puzzled as to what what the hell. Let's say you go up there and you trek around all day and there's just the two of you and you're related. Why couldn't you just stay there, I wonder? I guess I'm not going to worry about it. You know why? There's just too much to worry about. But is it a, an issue of staffing? I mean, do they have more people working when there are campers overnight? Is that is that maybe an issue? What do you think they get maids that come and check on you? Well, no, but I, I don't because I've never done it. I, I, I Neither don't, have I. Res- yeah. Rescue. Maybe. I don't know. Let's Again, there's so much to worry about. How much is there to worry about? Who, uh, have you two received a stimulus check? <laughs> no, no, but I know other people that have that are no longer with us. <laughs> well, listen to this. Uh, hail the flashlight king. Hail you. Hail you. My wife and I received our coronavirus stimulus payments via direct deposit on April 15th. Today, May 4th, yesterday, in the mail, we received a $1,200 corona stimulus check for my mother-in-law, who passed away in January of 2018. Wow. The check was addressed to mother-in-law, D-E-C-D, care of my wife's full name and our address. I believe D-E-C-D stands for deceased. Even more interesting is that the Fed sent out checks to dead people so often that the envelope has a box to X next to the statement if recipient is deceased. Check here and drop in mailbox. I have to wonder just how many of these get cashed when there is a power of attorney or guardian name on the check in addition to the name of the taxpayer that is deceased, such as in this case. In other words, you're supposed to send it back 
They send out so many checks to dead people, he said. There's a box to check an X if the recipient of that check is deceased. So you're supposed to check the X and drop it back in the mailbox and send it back to the government. And how? what percentage of those checks do you think get mailed back? I don't think a great – I bet I bet a great many don't get mailed back yeah. if there's some way to cash them. That, that would be my guess as well. Uh, uh, Doug writes, can you, get to this, uh, can you get this to the mayor? My father, who passed away in September of 2018, received a stimulus check in the mail today. I suppose they figure if he can still vote, he should get a check. But oh, boom, boom. But oh, boom, boom. But oh, boom, boom. Let me know when you're going to do one of those. Whoa! So that was Doug the barber in St. Cloud. So presumably he must have encountered a piece of mail that had the box to check an X if so and so is deceased. Here's another one. A former Twin Cities metro area police chief is left puzzled after his late mother received nearly a grand from the depart- from the government. Uh, she died two years ago, and now her son, Bob Jacobson, says he'd like to give the money to someone who needs it. It's turning out to be more complicated than he thought. Uh, he's a retired New Brighton public safety director, uh, Jacobson, spent a career wearing the badge, knowing right from wrong and enforcing the law. So when he received a letter last week from the White House, confirming his late mother Shirley had received nearly $1,000 in federal stimulus funding. He knew he had to act. I want to do the right thing with these funds. I know people are hurting. I know people are facing some difficulties, he said. Shirley died in 2018. Well, here it is. The White House letter with D-E-C-D typed next to her name presumably notes she is deceased. Bob manages her estate and immediately attempted to send the money back to the government but couldn't figure out how to do it. Neither the IRS website, Senator Tina Smith's online constituent service portal, nor a 1-800 number provided any assistance. Uh, The website's really designed and the phone number is really designed to help those who have questions about when they'll receive their funds and not for someone who wants to give the money back, he said. Uh, According to national reporting on the issue, the Treasury Secretary is quoted as saying families who receive funds for a dead loved one should give the money back. But apparently there are no specific rules or roadmaps within the act to make that happen, leaving one local attorney who handles estate issues with some thoughts. I don't think it's anybody else's money. The woman is entitled to it. She deserved it. She's a taxpayer. And the way the law is structured, it's for people who've paid taxes. And if they're no longer alive, their heirs should be the rightful recipients of that kind of money, Attorney Marshall Tannick said. Bob concluded that in the end, if the money doesn't go back to the feds, he absolutely knows what his mother would want to spend it on. We're going to donate our portion to charity. We'll find something related to COVID-19, a food shelf, something to help others who really need it. So in other words, uh, as, I, as I see these three examples, what's happening is the government, because the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, they just send these things. They just flood the market with them. Sure. And, and, no. but, they, but they at least went so far as to say, by the way, if you get this and you're dead, uh, send it back to us. <laughs> right. Basically, I that's what they're saying. I wonder if they started doing that after people started calling and saying, hey, what do I do with this check? Because this started happening right away, Such. I mean, but, right away. And people, and the story, like I told you two weeks ago, people were doing the due diligence, calling, getting a hold of somebody, and we're told, we don't know, go ahead and cash it. So obviously this has repeated itself over and over and over again, and I'm thinking now they've added this deceased part. They added the box with a check mark saying, if you're dead, get this back to us. 
Right. Or, you know, maybe somebody alive that knew you when you were not dead when send I, it back to when us. When I saw that email, do you know what came to mind? Do you, re- do you recall the story we had on the air? It was years ago when we were still on the radio of the guy. <laughs> this is so bad. I'm not laughing. But the guy had his dead mom and he took her to... <laughs> Took her to Arby's. Took her to Arby's and yeah. took her to the bank to get some yeah. money out of her. Was couch. wheeling her around on a two-wheeled <laughs> that's, cart. That's all I kept thinking about. <laughs> when I saw that story. Weekend at Bernie's forever. Oh, oh. Kansas City mayor defends his policy registering people attending church. Governor uh, Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas. Uh, issued the rule effective May 5 today, ordering that non-essential businesses like churches can have 10 people inside and 50 people outside as long as they practice social distancing. They also must record the information of anyone who spends more than 10 minutes inside. In addition, non-essential businesses can operate at 10% maximum capacity. The order states that by recording names and contact information, the health department will be able to more quickly trace, test, and isolate individuals who may not who may have been exposed. Anyone who doesn't provide their information will not be allowed in. Lucas encouraged anyone who sees a business or church violating these guidelines to report them on the city's three one one line. Hopefully, that'll work out just as well as it did in New York. Well, here's the deal. Oh, wait, there's more on this. Our goal isn't to see what everyone is doing and to be big brother, Lucas said, but that's not how many in the community see it. At least one church feared its rights were being violated and contacted Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council, a legal nonprofit that has been defending churches amid coronavirus lockdown orders. They're targeting people, and you have to give them your name and contact information as a prerequisite uh, Staver said, what did they start doing in Nazi Germany? They started targeting people. They started to collect their names and their data to show that they knew who they were and where they've been. Okay, let's, let's, let's put something into context and have a cooler head prevail. We don't have any reason to believe that Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas is targeting Christians, for example. Uh, there's no relationship between Quentin Lucas and and, and the devil of Germany, uh, but it's, it's, it's absolutely going down the wrong road. Because, as we said yesterday, what turns these rules egregious is how many start to get piled up on each other. Yep. And uh, you're not, if that happens here, I can guarantee you I'll be in the church and nobody's getting my name. Until you get snitched on. Then I got to go to quarantine jail. <laughs> well, they say they won't let you in, I thought. Uh, I know a secret way. <laughs> hey, pay a little extra and you can come over this way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, Why would you want to go in if they don't want you there? Well, if, if, well, Kenny, I don't know that they wouldn't want me there. If that was the case, then I wouldn't go in. Okay, Joe. Yeah. Okay, Kenny. Yeah, how you doing? Do I have to do the math on this latest from Schmel's Countryside, Volkswagen? Boy, I wish you would. Fiat and Alfa Romeo. Are you kidding me? Zero percent for 72 months. What? Zero percent 
for 72 months on all new 2019 and 2020 VWs with deferred payment of 120 days. 120, 30 days, 40. That's three months. Nope. Four months. boy. Four months. So you go to you go to Schmelz Countryside in the southeast quadrant of Highway 36 and 61. You make an online sales appointment. I'll give you that number in a moment. You make a you make a, a, a an appointment to be there in person with just just a representative countryside. You pick out the new Volkswagen you want. You don't pay anything uh, on interest for 72 months, and you don't pay anything at all. For the first four months. What a deal. Wow. How many months is, uh, how many years is 72 months? Oh, no. Oh, no. Six? Hey. Huh? Had a boy. Did Correct. I do it? Yes. Yeah. You yeah. win. Gold star. Yeah. Well, this is, it, it, that applies to done. the 2020 Atlas Cross Sport. Brand new SUV that's just cooler than hell. This is amazing. Uh, uh, check it out online. Go to Countryside. Uh, go to Schmelz. I'm sorry. SchmelzVW.com. SchmelzFiat.com. SchmelzAlphaRomeo.com. And then call 651-243-4316. I was there yesterday picking up some, some equipment that I had left in my Stelvio. And there was one salesperson uh, uh Entertaining one customer looking at an Alfa Romeo, and it was just a, a nifty way did to they, operate. Uh, they let you in the door. Did you have to sign a, a sheet and let me in a door? Oh. They let me in the door, and I didn't have to sign in. Six five one two four three four three one six Schmel's Countryside VW Alfa Romeo and Fiat. Would you like to take a, a bit of a break, boys? No, no. Okay. Well, maybe, but before you go, I have another math problem for you, and I'm hoping you can figure it out maybe during the break. Uh, yeah. It doesn't have to be done on the air. Yeah. Uh, and I truly want to know this because I have a hard time figuring out how many miles you can go in how many minutes and how fast you were driving. For instance, I over uh, Sunday night, I drove 38 miles in 30 minutes. Yeah. I want to know how fast I was going and how fast would I have to go to go 45 miles in 30 minutes. Wait, 30 minutes and you were in how many miles? 38? I did, Why do you 38, do I you did going, 38 miles in 30 minutes. You were going 76 miles an hour, right? How did, how did you do that? It's 38 times 2 would be one hour because you went 30 Maybe. minutes. We should take a break, Joe. <laughs> Why do you do this, Kenny? This is, uh, this is migraine territory. I think Reavers is right. You went 38 miles in 30 minutes. Yeah. You were How fast s- were you going? 76. I wasn't going 76, though, because uh, this is what confused me. I had my cruise control on the whole time, locked in at 74 miles per hour. Well, maybe a few times you went downhill and it got faster. I don't know, something man, like that. But yeah, I I worked on this on Sunday night for about an hour and got yeah. nowhere. Well, I'm not going to work on it during the break. So there, <laughs> I'm not. I, I want nothing you. to do with it. I don't blame you. Flashlight check. Tool belt check. Attitude check. He's going in. Joe Souchere. I want to revisit. The church situation in Kansas City to establish the larger point. Uh, as rational human beings, we can be in agreement uh, 
that uh, it would be helpful, apparently, in, uh, to solve this virus dilemma, to be able to quickly contact people who might have come in contact with someone who's ill. Are we all in agreement with that statement? Sure. Okay. Yeah. The, the problem is uh, the churches are going to demand that you sign in and register your contact information. But as I said yesterday, they're not doing that at Target. So at what point, if you think that's acceptable, uh, to sign in at the church, and I'm perfectly willing to accept that there's no Orwellian dark agenda behind that where are you going to be not willing to sign in if the rationale is to protect you where where are you going to draw the line because by the time you come up with that answer we will have an orwellian darkness because it'll be too late it'll be much too late did you um Someone had sent in, and I watched uh, Prager's point about when it's safe. You know the quote, "When it's safe," mm-hmm. and his whole his whole point. It's actually I I, I should probably post it because it's brilliant. But his whole point was, we're never going to get there. You know, we're never going to get to the point where it's one hundred percent safe. Life isn't safe. What's our great sounder from the guy we've been playing for years? Life, life is, is dangerous. dangerous. Life is not. Life is full of risk. Life is dangerous. Let's see if I can find that. And we'll go back to the Hong Kong flu in 68 and 69. There's been a cultural sea change in these 50 years. When the Hong Kong flu hit, I got emails about that. Life is dangerous. Yes, it is. It's dangerous. Uh, Jerry Lenz writes, I remember the Hong Kong flu. Perfect, Perfect health. health. Perfect health. I had just graduated high school, and as a local rock star, LOL, my summer of love pursuits were slowed down. Recovered fast, but that sucker put me on my back, Jerry. But this is, isn't this way worse? Yes. Okay. Yes. But I bet in 1968 they thought that Hong Kong flu was pretty bad. But you could also, I guess, say that in 1968 they didn't have the technology or the, you know, the, the wherewithal to combat an, an illness or a virus like we'd have in 2020. Can I ask you something? Talk to me. What evidence have you seen that we're combating this? Well, I'm just saying from a technology standpoint. What what technology has been brought into play you don't that's, think provi- that- that's been providing some miraculous turnaround in this thing? The death counts are predicted now to go to 200,000 people. But you don't think that we, are, that we have made medical advances in the last 50-some years? Of course I do, and people, uh, you know, apparently have survived because of ECMO machines, heart and lung machines. Maybe they didn't exist in 1968. Uh, I'm sure ventilators did in 1968. But uh, generally speaking, uh, it seems to me like everything's still a bit willy-nilly and all over the map in terms of testing and antibodies and competing uh, efforts to create vaccines, which is only natural. I'm sure that should be a competing, a competitive effort. But I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't think that our advances in technology have been a panacea for us. So far, it really hasn't resulted in anything. No, you're right. But I, I know I'm right. I'm the mayor. But I, but I guess my <laughs> point is, if, if COVID-19 would have struck this world in 1968... We might not even have you know humans around anymore. I don't know that. Okay. Well, there's another way to look at that. 
let's say COVID-19 did strike in 1968, and it was handled just as the Hong Kong flu was in 1968. You would have had considerable deaths, but then it would have burned through the population, and everyone would have become immune to it. Are we sure that's what's happening? If you've had it, are you, in fact, We're not immune sure. to it? We're not sure. We're not sure. You know how we've said on the show over the years, uh, one of the revelations we've had is that if there's a major news story, and let's just take it down uh, to a small example. Let's say there's a major uh, uh, building explosion in Atlanta. It'll take us 72 hours, right? About 72 hours to really figure out how many people died, what went wrong, because the initial reports will invariably be wrong, right? Mm -hmm. They'll be, okay. This story, this story is going to require more than a year to figure out. This, oh. this story is long past the 72-hour threshold, and we don't know a thing yet, relatively speaking. This is one of those stories that's going to take more than a year before we really have all of the newsworthy ducks in a row because it's changing day to day. I read two reports today, one that said the virus is weakening and another that said it's mutating and becoming even more virulent. Okay, right. see what I mean? What are you going to do? Yeah. I need right. a year to sort this out. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson. I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. Oh, boy. Wow. That's from Brian, who frequently emails. Kind of sums up our current government overreach, doesn't it? I predict future happiness for Americans if they can prevent the government from wasting the labors of the people under the pretense of taking care of them. That's 200 years ago or more. So this, this, the, the tug and pull of the government attempting to be more than what it should be Probably has been with humanity since the beginning of time. Did you read the uh, the Star Tribune piece today on how Minnesota's budget outlook has went from a $1.5 billion surplus to mm-hmm. a projected 2.5 deficit in two months? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know why, uh, God bless you, state employees. I don't wish you harm at all, state, federal, local, and county employees. Why are they all still getting paid? Right. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Such, have they done what HBI had to do, what no, restaurants no. are doing, what no. every other corporation in America has done? Why, why has we, we've gone, we've come so far, we've come so far towards the opening the giant door to the mystery that the governments, the governments are taking care of themselves at our expense. Yeah. You brought up yesterday, well, well, the past few days, you've brought up MnDOT and their, uh, what was it, diversity director? No, not Uh, diversity director. Equity Uh, and diversity office. They have 13 positions. How many more government entities like this are just top-heavy with all of these crazy departments that really don't have anything to do, like with MnDOT, with the building of roads? All of them. That we're we're paying for, and they're still getting paid, and... Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. What we learned yesterday. By the way, did uh, Ms. Kunden ever get back to us? Nope, never heard from her. All right. What we learned yesterday is we learned that the Minnesota Department of Transportation has an Office of Equity and Diversity. I think it's really, really not going out on a limb to say then every agency of the state government has one too. Every Probably. agency. Yeah. Do we I'm need not one? A, not a doubt in my mind. Does Garage Logic need one? Nope. Okay. 
No. Diversity is a fact. It's not a value. You got to get your head around that one. Diversity is merely a fact. It has no inherent value. But along those lines, uh, I know that you and you mentioned this on on the show previously. But there's a lot of people right now who you know either lost their job, they're getting unemployment, whatever. They're making more money right now during this pandemic than they were when they were working. And to what I want to say to those people, do they think that this cash is just going to keep coming in until the end of time? Uh, a letter. We received a letter about this in, uh, in regards to Sweden. Yeah, it was from Matura. Yeah, it was oh, from okay. Scott Matura. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I have it here someplace. Just a minute. Yeah, I deleted it, but uh, it was brilliant. Yeah, try to find that. Because I know personally people that are more than happy doing what they're doing right now. Well, I, I know a guy like that, too, and he was making more money, um, at least as much, if not more, than he was at work. But he was hired back, and he went back to work. Okay. So thank goodness for that. He does have values. Joe, it was uh, great to hear Spencer Grunhofer as well as the hog farmer last week on GL. Lots of great insight and knowledge of the industry. But Spencer said something that instantly caught my attention, and I don't think he had any idea how profound and accurate it was. If you recall, he touched on the fact that with the current unemployment benefits, it's difficult luring workers back because it's easier to stay home and collect and make more money than to actually work. Well, there is a precedent to this. In the enlightening book, Debunking Utopia, Nima Sanajaji, a Kurdish-born Swedish citizen and economic researcher, describes exactly this. Starting in the 1970s and moving into the 1980s, Sweden greatly increased their welfare state. So much so that much like our current unemployment relief, the payout from the government exceeded most people's employment income. By the 1990s, the entire culture had shifted within one generation to produce citizens who would rather stay at home than work. Unemployment skyrocketed, and they still suffer those effects today. Our left and Mysterians often tout Sweden as this model utopia, but once you research, you'll find something quite different. Yeah. People will go get get very used to answer to answer Reaver's question. Uh, people will get very used to receiving these checks and not wanting to work. You still have to pay taxes on them, though. Well, you know, you get a guy like Bernie Sanders in there; he'd expect just the the achievers to pay for it all. Oh boy, he'd expect the people that go to work pay for it all. And the guy that I was referring to, a friend of mine uh, that's in this boat. He would rather work, but at this point, you know, he's got a young child that he's helping with schoolwork and whatnot. He said, "Oh, I'm spending time with my kid," you know. Mm-hmm. I, so I get that part of it, but at some point, we're going to run out of money. Yeah, and all they do is keep printing it. It's 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 not backed by anything. I got to get a banker on. We got to get a banker on. Okay. Tell us what the hell's going on. Here. You got a guy? I got a guy. All right. I don't know if he wants to do it, but I got a guy. Hail the flashlight, King. Hail Hail you. you. Dear Marilyn, listening to the Friday show, I heard you going over terms that the diversity director had deemed too insensitive to use. You said that these terms have been power washed, but my impression was that power washing is assigning a new meaning to an old term. These terms had originally offensive meanings, but then were forgotten about and normalized. We were using the terms just fine until this diversity director told us that we were being offensive. 
It reminded me of a story from Germany from two years ago where someone discovered that a church bell had been dedicated by Adolf Hitler. She then made it her job to tell everybody that that had been going to that church for a half a century that their worship and marriages were tainted. They weren't tainted, but she just had to let everybody know how bad they should feel about it. I propose that a new term in the GL lexicon be created, church belling, taking something that has been normalized and reminding us that we ought to be offended by it, thus tainting the term. Thank you and good luck. Andy Rasmussen, listening to the podcast since long before you guys went off the air. Uh, and by the way, he wants to know, is, isn't goldfishing simply a method to accomplish the 48-hour rule? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, because in, the, in goldfishing, you are replacing an item with an item of a kind. The 48-hour rule most generally applies to making additions to whatever you're bringing in. That's right. All right, so there is a distinction. Although, uh, Andy, I'm not sure uh, there's a distinction between power wash. Your, your definition of church billing, I love the term, uh, <laughs> is the same as power washing. Uh, taking something that's been normalized and reminding us that we should be offended by it. That's true. Pa- the yeah. power washing. Uh, it, it started with the guy uh, in Seattle actually complaining that the use of a power washer on the steps of the county courthouse reminded him of turning water on black people in the South yes. in the 60s. That's power washing. That's no different than church building. There's, uh, there's been accusations made towards me that I might not pay attention all the time on the show. Yeah. Did we cover the goldfish story? Well, that's how we got the term. We initially no, 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 no. Well, the one very recently. Did about the, what? The, the big giant one? Yeah. Did we cover that? I think so. Oh, okay. Because a lot of people sent that one in. I, I thought, God, I, I could have swore we talked about it, but maybe we didn't. Wait a minute. I'm seeing a distinction. Maybe power washing only applies to things, and church building oh, can apply to words. An emotion. Yeah. Okay. Although the farmer uh, named Lynch who donated the land gotta, in o- you, Oregon. You, you, gotta, you have to stop. You have to what? stop. Why? Well, this is too much. I, I can't keep all of this straight. Well, I can't. I've already forgotten what church belling is. <laughs> there's, there's, that's, there's, there's too many, Joe. That's tainting a word, uh, except there's been a lot of power washing of, of words in oh, addition to is, things. I'm just Oh, my God, I'm just swimming. I, but a thing can't be church built. A thing can be power washed and a word can be power washed, but a word can't be, a word can be church built, but a thing can't be church built. Would have to be power washed. (laughs) Making up a new game and then creating rules as we go. Kenny, do you need me to deliver you some cigarettes? You uh, you seem like you need a fresh pack today. (laughs) I just, I'm so, I'm so confused about virtually everything. Yeah. Well, life's tough, Kenny. Right, life's Life's dangerous. Did I? Did I really re- say yesterday that it's okay, Big Brother is okay to crawl up my backside? I'm okay with that? I don't because recall I, you saying that. I have been super paranoid about that my whole life. Ever yeah. since I read 1984 as a kid, Yeah, I've been paranoid about that. It, and is now, someone on your case? Yeah, a guy that I've loved my whole bleeping life now wants to fight me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could that be a former NHL player? I don't get it. I, 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 I know we talked about this yesterday, and I know Steve I Payne. brought up... It's, it's Painter, isn't it? I know I brought up the fact that cameras are watching us. Everybody's tracking us. We're tracked by our phones, by our computers, by our use of our credit card, and I hate that. And I'm not down with the church thing. Where did I say I was good 
with the government and Big Brother crawling up my backside and setting up house. I don't think you did. I don't know what painter. Uh, you heard. know what? I like painter. I think you said that too. Yeah, I think I heard that yesterday. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> it's really got you oh on the edge, god. though, doesn't it? Well, that and now I'm being fat shamed on Twitter for having pudgy fingers. <laughs> and it's just it, everywhere I go, it, it they're just and I just don't. I don't. I'm just. Uh, yeah. Do okay. you want a hug? You want to hug it I'm out? Just gonna sit here, Kenny. Kenny, do you consider your place up in Alec uh, a lake home? Uh, no, no. My, the farm, the farm building itself is about, oh, I'd say a hundred yards away from a lake. So you don't swim uh, in that lake. But my, the place where I stay, where I exist when I'm up there, is right on the lake. Uh, but no, it's it's not a recreational lake. It's an, a natural environment lake. Well, if you own a lake home or you have a pond or a swimming hole on your property, get a hold of Aquaside. Aquaside has been helping people maintain great lake shores for years. They have a complete line of lake and pond control products that will take care of everything from weeds to algae to unidentified creepy vegetation. Aquaside products are easy to use. They begin working right away. You're going to get rid of the weeds. You're going to get rid of the muck. These products are registered with both the EPA and DNR, and they're completely safe for your family. There is no reason to let weeds overtake your lake or pond this summer. Call Aquaside today at 1-800-328-9350 or go to Aquaside.com. They'll answer any question you have. They've been killing lake weeds for more than 60 years, and those Aquaside pellets are the top seller and as classic for use on the water as an antique Chris Graff motorboat. GL will be back. Hello again, this is Mike Fratelloni from Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Fratelloni's is open every day till 6 p.m., seven days a week. Please come on in. We are practicing ultra no-touch social distance customer service. You're going to come in and we're going to say, hey, what can we help you find from 10 feet away? We're not going to touch you. You're not going to touch us. We're constantly cleaning our stores. We're really trying to be as safe for our employees and as safe for our customers as we possibly can. So be aware that our customer service is going to be a little different. Stop on at Fratelloni's right now. Come on in. Social distance customer service. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Souchere. Here's Johnny Height. Hi, fellas. Hi, uh, say, Johnny. I don't, uh, don't want to critique the show. I love listening to the show and everything, but oh, I've no, noticed no. the hail yous are a little... little They're weak, aren't they, John? Well, part they of really it is are. because we're operating on somewhat of a delay because Kenny is is on internet wait connection a second. from home. Wait a second. I'm not blaming you. I'm just I'm, I'm giving you a... Let's, yeah. let's, do the, let's do the test. Let's do the test. You start the count. We will count along with you. Go on. Two, 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 three, three, four, three, four, five. five. <laughs> well, there's a wow, delay. Kenny, there. you yeah. are delayed. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, you were delayed in my headphones. You were a second oh, late. Here's the news with John Height. Here's the news with John Height. Well, hold on. We got. Uh, let's do that again. Hello. Okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the deal. I had fiber optic installed yesterday. I've got. Uh, I was told by Mike Weber of our engineering staff that my line in is more powerful than they have there at corporate. So it can't be huh. me. Okay. It sounds fine. I'd like to hear some news. <laughs> Minnesota's two premier camping destinations will remain closed to overnight visitors for the duration of Governor Walls' stay-at-home order. Why, Voyager's John? National... Why well, can't you stay I, there at I, night? 
I, I, I don't know. Joe. I know, but I want I you to make, think about an answer. I don't make the rules. I only read about them. I know, but we're trying to, we mentioned this earlier. What is the rationale for not being able to stay in your tent? Makes no sense, does it? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Unless Voyager's we, National. No, I, never yeah. mind. Never mind. Void, Voyager's National Park in the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness announced that they will be open for day recreation, but will not issue camping or houseboat mooring permits through May 17th. In a new KSTP Survey USA poll of 500 Minnesotans, 82% either strongly or somewhat approve of how Governor Walls has responded to the coronavirus, while 14% either somewhat or strongly disapprove. And, of course, we have the 5% who are just not sure about anything. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Minnesota legislature, with Republicans in charge of the Senate and Democrats in charge of the House, also get high marks. According to the survey conducted between April 30th and May 3rd, 68% approve of the legislature's response and 16% disapprove. Another 16% there say they're not sure. Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the key member of the White House Corona Task Force, said Monday evening that calls for his dismissal are part of the game as he continues to urge Americans to practice social distancing. Fauci has been targeted by critics online who are unhappy with his recommendations to continue social distancing. He says, quote, there are people that are going to be disagreeing with me, some of them rather violently in many respects, you know, telling me that I'm crazy, fire Fauci, do this, do that. It's all just part of the game. His comments come as more states loosen their stay-at-home orders, prompting researchers to predict an increase in virus deaths toll this summer. I mean, our Republican Ohio Governor Mike DeWine said he doesn't like to comment on demonstrations, but on Monday he said he felt he had to. Another round of protests happened in Ohio on Friday. According to local TV stations, some protesters tried to open the building's basement windows and yell into them. Just as DeWine's <laughs> daily briefing began, reminiscent of the protesters who pressed themselves up against the glass at the hey, same building last month. The governor's message, I'm the elected official, I'm the one who ran for office, I'm the one who makes policy decisions, so when you don't like the policy, demonstrate against me, this coming after apparently some of the demonstrators started yelling at reporters and the state health chief. DeWine will allow all retail shops to reopen on May 12th. Uh, he said, I think generally Republicans are less inclined to have the government tell them what to do. He says, that's generally how I am, too. I'm a conservative Republican, but I think we're better off not having the government tell us what to do. But we are in a health crisis. If, you're a, if you are a protester, and I'm not saying that they're wrong for wanting to protest, that's their right. Are you more angry that things that you would like to do are not open, or is this more job-related? Or is it a combination of both? Combination. Got it. Thank you. One more I COVID was, story. Yeah. I was under the impression they were angry because small businesses are, are dying on the vine and big box stores are still open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, like Royce's argument, why can I buy a pair of pants at Target, but I can't buy a pair of pants at Jaime's or wherever his mm -hmm. joint is? Mm-hmm. John, I noticed that you made a post about Costco on your Facebook page, and you got some. I did. Uh, you got some. Uh, I, I started a conversation I didn't really mean to. Yeah. I just thought simple observance by me. And yeah, it, it spread a little bit. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Uh, some meat issues going on. Uh, some stores, speaking of Costco, including Costco now putting a limit on what you can buy as far as meat goes. And this is also causing a problem with Wendy's. They've taken burgers off the menu at some of their restaurants. What? And of course. Yeah, that's their hallmark item. Where's the Customers, beef? 
Yeah. Customers have taken to Twitter, complaining they couldn't order a burger from a Wendy's, which touts its beef as fresh and never frozen in its marketing. A check on Wendy's app showed that only chicken items were available for takeout or delivery orders from at least some of the stores in California. The situation has prompted a number of customers to ask, yeah, go ahead, where's the beef? Where's the beef? On, so- on social media. Wait, let's try that again, Jed. Try that again. Try that again. Okay. Asking customers to ask, where's the party? No, no, it's beef, Sid. Beef. Where's the beef? (laughs) That was, of course, the Wendy's catchphrase from the 1980s. I made Kenny snort. (laughs) Thank you, Chris. First laugh of uh, the program. Uh, A flare gun is indeed a potentially deadly firearm. That, according to a state appeals court panel, they ruled in the case involving a felon charged with stealing electronics and other items from a Coles in Bloomington last summer. That finding reverses a decision by the Hennepin County District Court to dismiss the most serious charge against 36-year-old Andrew Glover of St. Paul that he was a felon in possession of a firearm and revives that count for continued prosecution along with burglary and theft allegations. District Judge Janice Redding had concluded Glover's loaded flare gun was not a firearm because it was not meant to be used as a weapon. But prosecutors argued otherwise because it uses gunpowder to propel a projectile. The district court said uh, the appeals court cited, or excuse me, the appeals court cited in its reversal, the district court erred by concluding the flare launcher respondent possessed is not a firearm under Minnesota law. Oh, a- great. So now, so now uh-huh. you're going to have to get a permit to buy to purchase a flare gun? Is that what I'm hearing? Boy, I because hadn't approached it that way, but yeah. That's where we're going with this. It's not a firearm. The court was right originally. It's a, It's not a firearm. If that's your standard, so are these dummy guns that you use to train retrievers because you use a blank 22 cartridge. It's all it has in it is powder. You pull a lever back, let it snap, much like a pinball machine, and it fires and shoots a dummy off, you know, I don't know, 30 yards, whatever. So now that will be a firearm. So what's the, what's the reasoning? Is it more just more government overreach? Is that what this is, Kenny? No, it's prosecutors being dinks. Oh, Okay. All right, then. A guitar from Prince's Prime and some legendary Beatles lyrics sketched out by Paul McCartney are among the items going up for auction at a major music artifact sale. Julian's Auctions announced Monday the auction taking place June 19th and 20th in Beverly Hills and online will include a 1984 blue cloud guitar custom made for Prince after he played in his prime period that he played after his prime period just after Purple Rain. The auctioneer calls the instrument, with the artist's love symbol on the neck and gold hardware, one of the most important guitars from the early years of Prince's career ever to come to auction. <sighs> they think it'll bring why between one hundred. Yeah, why are you upset about why, this? Why, Joe? Uh, it's just uh, too much Prince news. <laughs> it's projected to bring between Mera. 100. <laughs> Sometimes bewilders me. Yeah. Between one hundred and two hundred thousand dollars, who gets the money? House, um, well, the estate. I would assume probably the estate. I would assume. Yeah, uh, they're also auctioning off a purple suit, a pendant, and a pair of boots from Prince. Oh boy, uh, some other stuff. <laughs> Jeez, I don't understand what you you really have this thing against him. And I don't uh, no, get not it. at all, not at all. Oh. I, I, well, you, I enjoy was, his music. Not at all. Was it you? That, I think it was you. If I'm wrong, I apologize. That said. You didn't like his music because he played too much electronic stuff when he was a extremely talented guitar player. Was that That's you? That's me. That was me. That was okay. me. Hmm. Yeah. 
I didn't like the waka 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 stuff when he was so like capable of playing really good rock and roll. So you're, you're you want goofy. him to be the next fog hat then? I want him to do. <laughs> I wanted him to do what I was going to tell him to do. Yeah, Eddie Van Halen yeah. or Dimebag Daryl or, or whatever. The next fog hat. Yeah. No, I don't think. I think you would have been better than the next fog hat, you moron. <laughs> oh, now you're turning it on me. Yeah, I am. You're wrong. Joe, no I accept you your apology. No matter where you go with this, Joe, that was one of the best lines I've heard in months. So. Yeah, it was pretty good. A page of I will say this. I, I, I agree with you because I think his best song is Dreamer, and it's nothing but a heavy guitar lick intro. I think that's his best song. I like Lady Cab Driver. That's one of my favorites. That's a good song. I like Rock and Roll. What's the one oh, I that's like? That's right. We played that Hoochie, as a bump. Hoochie Coo. Rock, rock and Roll, roll Love Song. <laughs> rock and Roll Love Song. No, Rock and Roll Love Affair. Rock and Roll Love Affair is my yep. favorite. Oh, God. All right, then. <laughs> Welcome I'm back, not, I'm not entering any more of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. This is one of the one of the rare times where we agree, uh, John. We're we're on the same page. Mark this down, Reavers. Well, you know, we don't need these auction items about his pantsuits and his, uh, you know, Gandhi collar collared stuff. What the hell? I don't care. Gandhi didn't wear collars, Joe. Well, whatever. Robes. Well, they did it for they did it for Elvis's fat suits from Vegas, right? Yeah. 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 So why not Prince? They'll be auctioning off his stuff a hundred years from now. Well, a part of this auction, since you brought that up, Joe, uh, they're also auctioning stuff from Madonna, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Johnny Cash, Jim Morrison, The Stones, Queen, David Bowie, Paul McCartney. So you're right. I mean, they'll, mm-hmm. you'll be able to buy this stuff for the next 8 million years. Mm-hmm. So. A Utah Highway Patrol trooper got a surprise when he pulled over a 5-year-old driver who was swerving so badly he thought the driver needed medical attention. Uh-oh. Trooper... Trooper Rick Morgan said the boy did not respond to his lights but pulled over when he hit his siren on Interstate 15 in Ogden on Monday. When the window came down, though, Morgan said it was pretty clear it was a very underage driver who was behind the wheel. The boy boy was sitting on the edge of the seat trying to reach the brake pedal, according to the trooper. When he asked him what was going on, Morgan said the boy told him he was going to his sister's house in California. Cool. the boy told another trooper he wanted to buy a Lamborghini when he got to California. <laughs> Kids got taste. We all do, kid. We yeah. all do. He, th- he then pulled his wallet out to show the officer and showed that he had three bucks to purchase his dream car. <laughs> Which is about what those Lambos are worth. <laughs> his, his parents were contacted. They came and took custody okay. of their son. I have a million questions here. You said five oh, years yes. old, correct? That's correct. Okay, I have a five-year-old, and he's a pretty big five-year-old. There's no way. How did? How far away did he get from home? Because there's no well, way there, he was able to operate this thing. There was a have... picture with the story. He was a pretty big kid. Uh, they they blotted out his face, obviously, so he couldn't see his face. But he was a, a you know decent-sized kid, so he could reach. I think somewhere I have a photo of my kid driving uh, one of my trucks. And he, you can barely see his head through the driver's window. <laughs> I put the kid. The kids have a uh, battery-operated vehicle. Oh yeah. yeah, and I put the I put the one who just turned four on there. But I got to tie a rope to the back and walk around behind her so she doesn't run into trees and stuff. <laughs> like she's on a leash. Right. I put the vehicle on a leash. 
<laughs> you know what you should do? Get one of those uh, those deals that you put the dog on that you screw into the ground and just let her do laps. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told my kid once that when I was uh, younger, my dad would let me sit on his lap and steer, and he was horrified by that. Oh, that's how we all learn. Exactly. Yeah, really? That's, that's how I learned, yeah. Yeah. Saw a great quote about stick shifts uh, in uh, uh-huh. Dan Kelly's bulletin board in the Sunday Pioneer Press. It was a story of a guy teaching his daughter how to drive a stick shift years ago, and he said, you'll either be rich enough to want to know how or poor enough to have to. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> a great line. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I miss driving a stick shift. I do, yeah. too. I, I have a variety of them. Shut that thing off. Yeah. <laughs> Police are looking for what they are calling an aggressive chicken accused of uh, causing problems at a Louisiana bank. Uh, you should uh, pat me on the back because that was written to say foul play at a bank, and I, I decided not to go with that. Even though but you, but you couldn't resist pointing that out to us, could I, you? I couldn't because no, it's, you couldn't. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. The Walker Police Department responded to a complaint about the animal on Friday. Witnesses told police the chicken had been spotted at the bank multiple times last week, approaching patrons at the ATM, chasing customers, and even trying to climb into cars in the drive-through. Officials said officers responded to the bank within a few minutes of the call, but found the chicken had already escaped. The suspect remains on the loose, say police. They advised residents to avoid confronting the animal and instead call them for help. Okay, I got to tell you this, guys. Uh, and I tried to get a picture and was was unable to over the weekend. But in my uh, hometown, half a thousand people, where you can no longer have a dog off the leash. And this is a town that used to have a town dog that yeah. would hop in the back of a pickup and catch a ride to the other side of the town. So we used to have dogs everywhere. We now have a town chicken. Nobody knows where it comes from. N- nobody knows who, who who it belongs to. And they can't get rid of it. The chicken just wanders around. Just hangs town. out. <laughs> yeah, waiting for handouts. Yeah. You got any corn? So, no? It's okay. so awesome. <laughs> Watch your uh, watch your wildlife increase in that town with the dogs on a leash rule. Well, that's the only reason there's a, wildlife here. Last year we had a town fox, and uh, yeah. I think somebody, as we like to say, uh, somebody took care of took it. Care yeah, of it. <laughs> took care of it. Yeah, took care of it. Took care of it. Have you yeah. guys uh, seen the uh, the viral video of the monkey on the motorcycle? And I the little girl? just was going to read yes. that. Actually. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. John. That's all right. Well, all right. go ahead, because I, I have a really dark thought about that video. Yeah. Well, I did. I swear I saw this story a couple of years ago too, but all the new ones are dated uh, this week. So, but it's a video supposedly taken in an alleyway in Indonesia. It shows a small monkey rolling up to a group of kids riding a mini motorbike. The monkey jumps off right in front of the kids and tries to take one of the small kids away. He drags the little I kid. I saw. Actually. I saw. It was uh, disturbing. Yeah. And uh, I have a feeling that that's a trained monkey. By kidnap- I'm not kidding. By kidnapping. Oh, I see what you're saying. You, oh, sent out to get a kid. Once. Yes. Because yeah. child Bring exploitation in that part of the country is a really, really big problem. Wow. Sorry to oh. get really morbid, but that's the first Boy, thing that I was, thought yeah. of. That's dreadful. Little, well, because a lot of, little... and a lot of people had sent in the video to us like, oh, look at this. Isn't this funny? I'm like, I actually have a really dark thought about that video. Was the monkey peddling this contraption or was it literally a gas-powered scooter? It looked uh, gas-powered. It looked like gas-powered, yeah, I thought. A monkey on a scooter steals a kid. 
But look uh, at it with I, the I, ease, I, the ease that that monkey dragged wait, that toddler. Check, check this out. Down the street. Oh, here we go, Joe. Where'd go the ahead. monkey? Where'd the monkey get a scooter? Eco fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you can get them. See, Eco Fun Tim, Motorsports in Forest Tim Lake. Will sell to anybody. That's right, monkey. You got cash? You coming now? Yeah, I mean, they're you know they're ninety percent shut down. You have to make an on-site uh, appointment. Uh, but uh, go on the website at ecofunmotorsports.com. Pick out those great uh, Bintelli e-bikes, the scooters, uh, the motorcycles, the side-by-sides, the 4x4s, whatever you're interested in. You can do everything over the phone. They'll deliver the product for no charge to your house, and that'll be just maybe a final piece of paperwork to do. But uh, Bintelli e-bikes are the ideal way to social distance and get some fresh air. Call uh, Ecofun at 612-321-321. 8867 to get yours or set up an appointment to get one. They're on Highway 61 right downtown in Forest Lake. Uh, You'll enjoy these products. They're fantastic. They make bicycle riding a joy again because they have uh, the Bintellis, for example, have five levels of electric assist. But do it all over the phone if you want to Uh, uh, and via the website, ecofundmotorsports.com. 612-321-8867. 612-321-8867. What if yes, you're a monkey? John. What if you're a monkey? Can monkey, a monkey email in or call in or how do you do so that? At the rate monkeys are getting trained, apparently that's not out of the question. Yeah. There you go. I also think, uh, Joe, your question, where do you get the, makes Chris's dark point seem even more likely, which right, I'm right. sorry. I, th- I thought it was a cute story. I did at first so and then I, and when I watched it, I went, oh, wait a minute. I got a bad feeling about this. A Chinese man who buried hundreds of thousands of dollars five years ago is learning the hard way there are better ways to store your life savings. Oh, Uh-oh. Chinese state media and Taiwan's TVBS network reported the man, a farmer with the surname, of course, of Wang, sure. visited a branch of the Agricultural Bank of China. The banknotes were rotten and moldy and broke apart on contact. Oh, no. Wang Wang told the bank he had 10 more bundles at home and that he had buried a total of about a quarter of a million dollars five years ago. Wang, you're a dummy. (laughs) Chinese man said his parents were merchants and that they had accumulated the money. He also said a local television program claimed theft was common at ATMs. The television claims compelled him to bury the cash underground. Bank employees worked overtime to restore the damaged bills, according to Chinese state media. The notes, oftentimes clumped together, were divided into small bundles, then divided into singles. According to the People's Bank of China's regulations, bills that have 75% of their original features can be exchanged at full value, but bills disfigured such that only 50 to 75% as recognizable can only be exchanged for half the amount. So the man's saving lost about 25% of its total value, or about $70,000, because of that damage. Well, that'll uh, you teach guys, you, it, John. It will. Don't bury your Mr. money. Mr. Wang. Yeah, Mr. Wang. You, uh, you guys, I heard you guys yesterday talking about the murder hornets. The, yeah, the they're big hornets, John. Oh, well, we got a, a TV host, a nature TV host, who yeah. was purposely stung by a murder hornet. To yep. show the searing pain one could feel if they're nipped. Nathaniel Coyote Peterson, the host of YouTube's Brave Wilderness, dedicated one of his shows to feel the painful sting of Japan's most notorious insect firsthand. The episode shows Peterson capturing the huge hornet in Japan's Totori Prefecture, what he calls one of the remote stretches of wilderness in that country, and then putting it on his left forearm. 
Once he puts the gigantic insect on his arm with tweezers, he shouts in pain just seconds later. Oh. He's, he says, oh, man, wave of dizziness really quick, searing pain, absolute searing pain. Almost immediately after the sting, a large welt appeared on his arm. I thought he the says, venom could kill you. Uh, I think it has to be stings. many of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't run into a hive. Right. The 38-year-old YouTuber who also hosts Animal Planet's Coyote Peterson Brave the Wild show told the New York Post You, you download that, that one every day, Joe? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that the killer insect is the king of thing that formulates nightmares. He says you can hear them before you see them. He said they sound like an Apache helicopter when they fly oh, near you. Good Lord. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's all we need. UFOs, killer, killer hornets, coronavirus. <laughs> There was it's actually over. a show. Uh, there was a show on uh, History Channel like that uh, last year, where these two knuckleheads would go out and purposely get bitten and stung by these uh, venomous—I uh, don't know—critters or creatures, just so we could watch the reaction. What are the four horsemen wow. of the apocalypse? Pestilence, wow. famine, war, and death. And Souchere and Ricey. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be six horsemen. Mondays. <laughs> The killer insects can sting multiple times, by the way, so if you get stung once by one, they can sting you again. They deliver seven times the amount of venom as a honeybee, the equivalent of that of a venomous snake. Uh, he says in the video his hand starts shaking uh, due to the possibility of the sting causing a life-threatening allergic reaction. Peterson had an EpiPen readily, uh, readily available just in case. Uh, the sting, he said, on a one-to-four scale is rated a four. Oh, now, boy. If you if you've been hiding, two of these killer hornets were spotted in the United States last December in the area of Blaine, Washington, but they think the fact that they found them will uh, make it okay uh, to get rid of them. Joe, go back to the uh, the four horsemen. Name them again. And, and There's no joke here, but name them again. Well, I think it's pestilence, famine, war, and death, isn't it? I'd have to look it up. Well, what are we missing? We've, we've, well, we're pretty we've got much them all. Got them all covered, we're there. We? Yeah. Yeah. And ironically, we can't go to church. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> wow. Hey, yeah. thanks, everybody. Good afternoon. Uh, criminal gangs are using fast food couriers to deliver recreational drugs to people confined at home because of the lockdowns, according to Interpol. Cocaine, marijuana, ecstasy, among the drugs being moved in pizza boxes or other takeaway containers in countries, including Ireland, Malaysia, Spain, and Britain, according to Interpol. The agency issued a purple notice to warn its 194 member agencies of the new modus operandi involving couriers using bikes, motorcycles, or cars. With drug buyers and their dealers under lockdown, along with the rest of the society in a lot of countries, some drivers are using that time to make a quick buck, while in some cases, dealers simply pose as couriers. Others are unwitting drug mules. According to Interpol, in one Malaysian case, a food delivery rider in the Gambak district of Kuala Lumpur contacted police and asked for his food package to be inspected because he was suspicious. And he was right. There were 20 pounds of drugs in that food order. Here's a painting. Here's a painting of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in 1887. <laughs> Death, famine, war, and conquest. Conquest. Okay, well, that's a great painting. Yeah, mm -hmm. thanks for showing it to us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, by the way, speaking of drug mules, I have now yes. hired two professors. I've been involved in a chat on Twitter today with yeah. uh, GLers Josh and Vic, truck drivers, professional truck drivers. They've been at it for uh, years and years and years, and they started offering tips for drug mules. So I've decided to hire them as part of the university I'm opening. It's going to be an online uh, university, DMU, Drug Mule University. Dot. Uh, what it would it be? E D U. Had to go org or something. Wait a minute, yeah. Kenny, yeah, yeah, Kenny, yeah. Kenny. No, not D M U. You have to work it into be D U M. Come on, drug, drug university, university mule? mule. No, we gotta go dumb dumb. The dumb dumb you. Okay. Anyway. All right. Sorry. Hey, thanks, Chris. Okay. I was trying to. Help. All right, then. Go back to not paying attention. Okay. Hey, John. Did you watch any of the uh, the KBO baseball last night? I, I did not see any. No. Oh, I did. You? No, I, I I tried to go to bed early and that didn't work out too well. well it was, wasn't it midnight? Yeah, it, it didn't start till late, and I wasn't waiting up that long to watch baseball. No, I have been watching some weird things though. I watched the second half of the nineteen seventy five Rose Bowl the other day. <laughs> watched some old Twins games. I need a, a new sport. So. I uh, John, so that's interesting. That. Yesterday, I read a magazine while sitting on the toilet. Uh, so, well, you know, man in uh, Montana just changed his shirt. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's I'm wow. Shocked. John, my, was, point, my point. My yeah. being, there's no sports. I us. got you, Johnny. Uh, we'll have yeah. you again Thursday. I hope. I will be here Thursday. Yes. Wonderful. Oh, okay. thank you, thank you, Mister yep. Guitar. All right, see thank you, fellas. Maybe a song Thursday. Who knows? Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Hey, Such, can I read an email before you take over, sir? Sure. I got this from Randy. He said, hey, Chris, just wanted to share my delivery experience from Elevated today. I ordered at 11.52 from the Hiawatha location. The driver was at my door at 12.04 p.m. I live in the Longfellow neighborhood. You cannot beat that service. He got it in 12 minutes. That's fantastic. But he also wanted to let us... That's close, though. Longfellow, very close. True. Yeah. Uh, he also wanted to say I was at 30 bales about a week ago picking up curbside and had a great experience and, of course, delicious food. Delivered a burger to a laid-off friend of mine who is a chef at a restaurant that sounds like uh, an animal that goes moo with the color red in front of it. And he said the burger was amazing. They were great about packing his meals separately, so it was easy to drop off with safe distance. And he's talking about 30 Bales Restaurant in downtown Hopkins. Our buddies Todd and Tom are the longtime owners of that establishment. They are a scratch Midwest kitchen, and they have curbside and delivery via Grubhub that is available. Kenny, you did it just last week. Did you just do, are you doing uh, an ad for two businesses at the same time? Well, this was, I'm doing it for 30 Bales. This might be the most brilliant thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) Thank you, Kenny. Uh, But check out their menu. It's online. And it changes a lot, but it's 30bales.com, and they are open uh, Tuesday through Sunday with uh, specialized hours. Kenny did it last week. I'm planning on doing it this week. 30bales.com, Mr. Mayor. And well, wait a minute. Yeah. Can I also ask GLers? They're, they're very, very generous, and I, I probably don't have to remind them of this, but throw in a little extra something something for the staff you know a little something Absolutely. for the effort yeah. yeah so that's what uh, we like to do anyway go ahead joe chief offsite correspondent uh, kelsey notes uh, maybe we don't have it that bad it's a mess out there now hard to discern between what's a real threat and what is just simple panic and hysteria for a small amount of perspective at this moment imagine you were born in 1900 
On your 14th birthday, World War I starts and ends on your 18th birthday. 22 million people perish in that war. Later in the year, a Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until your 20th birthday. 50 million people die from it in those two years. 50 million. On your 29th birthday, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. The world GDP drops 27%. That runs until you are 33 years old. The country nearly collapses along with the world economy. When you turn 39, World War II starts. You aren't even over the hill yet. And don't try to catch your breath. On your 41st birthday, the United States is fully pulled into World War II. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in the war. Smallpox was epidemic until you were in your 40s as it killed 300 million people during your lifetime. At 50, the Korean War starts. 5 million perish. From your birth until you are 55, you dealt with the fear of polio epidemics each summer. You experience friends and family contracting polio and being paralyzed and or die. At 55, the Vietnam War begins and doesn't end for 20 years. 4 million people perish in that conflict. During the Cold War, you lived each day with the fear of nuclear annihilation. On your 62nd birthday, you had the Cuban Missile Crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War. Life on our planet as we know it almost ended. When you turn 75, the Vietnam War finally ends. Think of everyone on the planet born in 1900. How did they endure all of that? When you were a kid in 1985 and didn't think your 85-year-old grandparent understood how school was and how mean that kid in your class was, yet they survived through everything listed above. Perspective is an amazing art, refined and enlightening as time goes on. Let's try and keep things in perspective. Your parents and or grandparents were called to endure all of the above. You are called to stay home and sit on your couch. Boy, isn't that the truth. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, uh... Everybody in the ink-stained wretch business of newspapering goes through a period uh, in their career where they fancy winning a Pulitzer Prize. Sure. Uh, and it, it's, it's just natural because it's supposed to be the epitome of the craft. And, and, and for, for years now, I've, I've uh, realized uh, that that's never going to happen, and that's, that's fine. Uh, and now I'm not sure I want one. Uh, the New York Times... Uh, one for commentary, uh, and it's all uh, to somebody named Nicole Hannah Jones for her essay introducing a series the New York Times wrote re- called the Sixteen Nineteen Project, uh, which has done nothing but sustain criticism from historians across the spectrum for its naked errors of fact. The wow. project's central conceit is that out of slavery grew nearly everything that has made America exceptional. Its economic might, its industrial power, its electoral system. Hannah Jones even argued that the main reason the American Revolution was fought to preserve was to preserve slavery, a claim so contrary to, to, to the truth that the Times had to apologize for that part of the essay uh, and, and, and added two words, some of the, some of the people think that. Uh, it's still not true, and the expert she consulted told her so. Leslie M. Harris, a black history professor at Northwestern, says she warned Hannah Dash Jones, far from being fought to preserve slavery, the Revolutionary War became a primary disruptor of slavery in the North American colonies. Apparently, willful error can now win you the most elite prize in journalism. Nor was that her only distortion. Hannah Dash Jones also claims that President Abraham Lincoln opposed black equality. 
as part of the post week long twisted here uh, twisted history series on the 1619 project. Uh, it was argued that Lincoln called for black voting rights and was hailed by Frederick Douglass as emphatically the colored man's president. But Hannah Jones uh, didn't uh, agree with any of that, and uh, she took it far beyond that, insisting that. Uh, uh, Jim Crow uh, laws and slavery are part of the nation's essence. That's why the country's top U.S. scholars, Princeton's Sean Willens and James McPherson, Brown's Gordon Wood, CUNY's James Oaks, all said, all denied her hardcore claims. Uh, it's just, it's sickening. It's sickening. In other words, uh, the Times is so desperate uh, to appease itself of, of this, uh, what, what, white guilt, apparently, for for living that she basically rewrote history because the well, mystery the mystery has to eliminate history in order to bring the mystery about and this and now she gets the pulitzer prize are you kidding me it pretty much proves it's not legitimate correct it absolutely proves that and it proves the new york times is not legitimate i wonder though if you were actually going to poll the the audience or the readers of the new york times how many of those people would actually be upset by this, or how many people would laud her for the for this work? Yeah, yeah that's an interesting question. Uh, it's just and pathetic. It, it's pathetic. It, yeah, I agree. It also proves, well, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But I thought, does it prove the fact that liberal journalism wins and conservative doesn't? I went through the list of commentary winners, and you know, George Will won one. Jimmy Breslin oh. won one. Uh, okay. But right. not recently. Uh, Breslin, of course, is dead. Will Will won his years ago. Uh, because I know uh, you, you get hammered when you print conservative values that are proven to be true. But yet, right. yet the left still just hammers you. Because the club says you have to think the way we do or you don't count. Yeah. We're seeing it every day in the failed academy. Yeah. You either think the way we do or you don't count. Dear Mary, dear Mary, yesterday I surrendered the keys to the landlord of my cafe. I actually consider myself lucky that the lease was coming due in May, and with the prolonged stay-at-home order bleeding small businesses like mine dry, I was able to not renew the lease and minimize my losses. As you well know, I've been down before and will get back up again, but never before has the government been, been the one literally doing the kicking. The business is still active, and we are hoping to run a meal plan, private chef, culinary guide service, but it will most likely take months for either the Department of Health or the Department of Ag to approve a new business plan for us to restart. Moving on to the point of this email, I began listening to your show about three or four years ago when I opened my business. I have on occasion emailed you, and some of them you felt worth the airtime to read, which I am honored by. Many regular contributors have titles. Chief Offsite Correspondent, Frequent Contributor, CI Girl, and even the chef in Montana. I was wondering if he would bestow on me the official title of GL Pitmaster, as perhaps my best skill Ooh. as a chef is smoking and grilling meats. One of the things I will miss oh. most about having a cafe is organizing charity events. Just a minute. Perfectly healthy. Wow, he actually had to shut his mic off for that one. He did. My goodness. And would like and I, to take on the responsibility, if you grant me the title, of creating and organizing an annual GL barbecue contest with the staff. You might even okay. know a guy who sells meats who could sponsor it. 
Keep pushing back. We need voices like yours now more than ever. Craig, who was the owner of the Chameleon Cafe uh, up in the Brainerd area. Soon to oh, be. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. No, not mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that makes the uh, biscuits and gravy, and we were going to do a contest oh, with him. Oh, that's right. Yes. And the coffee grounds over in Eau Claire. Oh, that is so sad. Well, the guy he's referring to, we might know a guy who's in the meat business. Of course, that would be Spencer Grunhofer in Hugo, right on Highway 61. You can't miss it. Spencer's got the big GL sign out front. Uh, it's the place to be for hamburgers, sliders, brats, chicken, steaks, uh, salmon, jerky, you name it. It's just been a delightful, delightful discovery for all of the GLers these, this past uh, coming up on two years now. And it's the, uh, it's the meat capital of Garage Logic. You're treated well there. They're aware of the social distancing requirements. It's clean. It's sanitized. And uh, if your grocery store is out of the meat you need, Grunhofer's has the answer for you. And uh, it sure would be fun someday to have the GL Barbecue Contest with the sponsorship by Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. It's in Hugo. It's right on the north end of Hugo on Highway 61. It's a fun drive, and the reward is uh, out of this world. Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. And I know a guy that we could get the grills from. Yep, Fred Aloni. Fred, we just say, hey, well, we need about six grills to, yeah. uh, to have a little bit of a cook-off. <laughs> Dear Joe, first of all, I am not a Lance Armstrong wannabe entitled biker. I followed the rules of the road, and I passed high school physics, so I actually yield to vehicles. I've been thinking while bicycling. <laughs> I've been thinking while bicycling in Minneapolis and St. Paul. You can see from the below map that I am doing more than a quick spin around the block. I hope you will agree that I am seeing a fair percentage of both cities. The route depicted is one of my typical routes. I try to bike every day that it is not raining. And no, I'm not one of the morons who bike on roads in the winter. Both cities have made tremendous efforts to facilitate bicycles at the expense of vehicles and are proud to speak about the miles of trails and lanes allocated for their operation. During our current situation, both cities are further limiting vehicles and making more accommodations for bicycles. Both river boulevards, as well as parkways and around the lakes, have made lane restrictions for the purpose of promoting more bicycling. My thought is, I would like to challenge the mayors of both cities and their entire city councils to follow my route. The road and trail conditions are so bad, with any narrow tire bike, the rider is in peril. Not from cars, but from the very surfaces of the roads and paved bike trails in both cities. The leadership of these cities should be ashamed and the taxpayers outraged. No maintenance has been done and the peril is real. I believe if your front tire finds its way into the one into one of the many fissures along any road or trail causing you to fall and injure yourself, the city will be liable for damages to the individual. In our highly litigious society, I'm sure a lawsuit for these or similar issues is just around the corner. First, the cities neglect the infrastructure to such a degree that the surfaces are a hazard. Then they encourage you to ride a conveyance that is unstable and unsafe in those conditions. Got to tell you, one benefit of the pandemic is when pedestrians in my way, all I have to do is cough like I'm losing a lung and people scatter <laughs> like splinters. <laughs> I don't think they would move out of the way any faster if I was right along, right along firing my 45 in the air. <laughs> I'm tired of cowering in place. A friend of mine's 97-year-old father said that it would have been frowned upon back in the early 40s to hide in the basement in the fetal position, sucking your thumb in fear of the Germans and Japanese. Stay out front and keeping keep pushing back so there's a gl bicyclist who is who, who is wisely 
and credibly and rationally pointing out that these hypocrites at the expense of the automobile traffic devote more and more pavement to bikes, but the pavement's shot. <laughs> the pavement is yeah. shot. Is that yeah. windmilling? Is that, uh, what is that? Yeah, it's kind of a windmilling. And finally, just a, just a really nice, uh, nice email from Jacob. Uh, who writes, uh, fellas, from the age of seven, I would say, maybe younger, there was always a constant in my life. That is, until it was no longer on the radio. And that constant was garage logic. Now, at 30, I have found the podcast and listened daily once again. Nice. It may be hard to believe, but I'm old enough to remember a time when kids worked in the summer. My first and most fondest job was spending my summer with my dad doing lawn care. We got up and Got to town just at the right time when the dew was dry to cut grass, and when Garage Logic came on, it was just about time to pick up a soda, fill the gas cans for the next day, uh, day, and a drive home with Joe and the boys. Now today, I turn the podcast on an hour before my lunch break, and now and then take my Bluetooth speaker over to Dad's and listen with him as it just bring back, brings back the days in that 84 Chevy pickup driving home on County 1 to Pleasant Grove. I love the show. It's part of a great childhood. Times are tough, but Garage Logic truly is our ray of hope. As long as it's on the air, it can be the end of the world, and I'll still feel fine. Nice. Thanks, fellas. Jake. Thank you, Jake. What a great email. Wow. Man, was that, that nice. That was touching. That was very nice. Touching. And you know what? He also, what the hell? He also mentioned something so true. I remember when kids used to work during the summer. Yeah. Boy, I sure did, but I mean, that was just entirely natural given my age. I mean, there was no, there was no alternative. And I know some kids do. You know, Kenny, your your kid worked, you know, every summer when he was. Boy, did up, he! You know, yeah, he did. But yeah. there are so many now that that don't, and I wonder, given what's going on right now, how many are going to work this upcoming summer, with all the concerns going on. Well, uh, we worked because we want, we wanted money. We had to buy fog hat tickets, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I must tell you this because I just love a fellow, Tom Lyman, who's sheltering in place in Mumbai, India, and has taken it as his personal responsibility to always send us on this date in history, on this date in Minnesota history, May 5th. And what caught my attention on this one is uh, in 1880, on May 5th, lightning strikes the Fairbowl Gas Works, destroying 1,000 gallons oh. of naphtha used to power the city's gas lights. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where was that located? Well, Chris, I wasn't there. Uh, no, uh, that's well. my town. I want to know. know where it was. 18, Sid was there, though. 1880. 1880. Lightning strikes the Fairbowl. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Fairbowl. 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 Like, yes. It's like my cousin Bo. Fairbowl. Got uh, it? The gas works. Uh, gas works. That, that that powered all the city's gas lights. I want to see where it's at. Where it well, at? it's probably not in existence anymore. Well, there's going to be a history on it, though. Oh, yeah. You could look that up. Okay, I want to go images. I want to see where... I don't know where the... Oh, there it is. It's on the river. Look at that. Yep. Huh. Well, boys, it's going to take a year to sort out this coronavirus story. If we're still so, around. Huh? If we're here. Oh, we'll be here. What day is it? <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday, May 5th. Okay. I just just want to keep track because Positive Thursday is coming up, and I live for that. And uh, Schoon Over Body Works and Glass, the sponsorship there. Oh. Bigger question. Last day you had a shower, Ken. Uh, uh, I, I smell really weird today. Oh, God. I'm, I'm glad you're not around. Oh, I'm gonna take I'm going to take Go one away. right now because I can't even identify what that weird smell is coming <laughs> off me. 
combination of shame and uh, tears. Despair. 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 (laughs) Hey, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Why is my printer suddenly printing on both sides of the paper? Oh, my goodness. That doesn't work because I'm trying to recycle paper. GarageLogic.com. See you tomorrow, Uh, Sue. Nuts. I got to figure this out. What the heck here? Jeez.